0: You're about to listen to our dad on the Jim Cressman
1: Podcast. With me on the podcast today, Nicole Arbor, comedian, recording artist, business coach, influencer, former Raptors cheerleader, and internet (laughs) cheerleader, and one of the most effervescent encouragers I know, uh, hashtag go team. Nicole, it's great (laughs) to have you on.
0: Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here, Jim.
1: Uh, grateful for you to do this. I know you got a lot of things on the go across a lot of different (laughs) facets of your career. Um, I full disclosure, we met about four years ago. Um, I actually didn't know a lot about you at the time. I was somewhat familiar with you, but, but, um, since then, of course, I've been able to learn more about you. I think you're one of the most misquoted misunderstood, (laughs) um, and misinterpreted people on the internet. Why do you think that is?
0: That's so interesting. And it feels like you just wrote lyrics there. Misquoted, misunderstood, misindependent. That's like, those are bars. (laughs) Um,
1: That was an accident.
0: Yeah, I like it though. I'm going to write it down. Um, (laughs) I think that people look at you and comprehend people from their level of understanding, no matter what. So you can hand the same meal to two people and someone might say that's delicious and someone might say that's disgusting. And it's just a difference of palate. It's not a difference of food or quality of food. And I feel like that's what's happened to me the last few years. And the coolest part at my, of my career right now, it's like it's, it keeps happening all day every day, is the same people who were talking shit five years ago are circling right back around and going, oh, you were right. Or, oh, shoot, you called that. Or same people who wrote nasty articles about me are starting to go, oh, you're really good. Like their perception, I haven't really changed, but their perception of what I'm doing has changed. And I kind of feel like I was just maybe a little ahead. <laughs> and now people are catching I, up.
1: I think that's a that's a really succinct but um, profound way to describe it. You know, you're, you're sort of serving up the same message and it's very direct. Although yeah. I would challenge you, I think you have evolved in your ability to articulate yourself even more effectively. Thanks. Um, I think I think that uh, one of the things that that is just a harsh reality for somebody who does what you do is that you're very direct and sometimes people don't want to hear the truth that directly. They might respect oh, yeah. the truth. They might understand it but they feel like uh, they can't navigate it because it hits too close to home.
0: Mm -hmm. That's very true. And that's something I've discovered too is that sometimes people either aren't ready for the truth or they don't want it because they already know what it is and they already know how to change their lives or change their situation and they they don't want to. They don't want to yet. So I induce a temper tantrum in people that don't want to do the right thing. And it's not like I'm saying anything they don't already know. They just didn't want to hear it. So they go full, I need a Snickers on me, (laughs) which I think is kind of funny. And you know, to your point, I have evolved in that, uh, at least from my perspective, in that I care less now because I had to get over that initial hump of media and fame and all the things that are tied into that, how it changes your family dynamic, how it changes your friendship dynamics, all those things kind of had me tiptoeing a little bit. Or just- doing-
1: You care more about the reaction. You mm-hmm. Sorry, you care less about the reaction, but you care more about the messaging or
0: maybe even put more thought uh, into the messaging. Would that be accurate? It's like more thought and less thought. I know now that my first thought is the right thought. And that's it. And, you know, I had management. I had all these people. I, like, I was laughing with some recording artist friends of mine the other day because yet in sessions with some people in music. And they want to bring in 10 writers. And they want to say, okay, well, let's, let's discuss this. And, like, let's get in an extra hook writer and, like, let's work it through. And then I go to the next session with uh, a friend of mine that has all these Billboard chart-topping singles and albums. They put on a beat. It's recorded within an hour, and it's done. And that's how everything's done. It's like, what's your first thought? Go with that. Cool. Maybe we'll go back once and touch it up, but that's it. And all my best stuff that goes viral, all the things, it's all my gut instincts. And it's other people that train you out of your gut instincts and almost make you afraid. And I had to like take all of their shit off and then go again. And I just feel like I'm at such a cool spot now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting because if you look at a video that really um, helped substantiate your fame and infamy, like dear yeah. fat people, yeah, it would be interesting if you, if you were to create that from inception today, mm. if the message would essentially be the same, but if it would be less provocative or more provocative, where do you think you would be with
0: that? I love that video. I love it. Uh, I hope I would release it exactly the same way. Um,
1: but do you think you would
0: would i rate the second no because i've already done it if i hadn't done it i would um i hope i would have been as funny as i was in that one and not thought about it because i didn't think about the jokes then and i just let them fly and they're they're freaking great like i let other people convince me for a while that i should be embarrassed that video you you made dear fat people and i'm like fuck yeah i did that video has over 100 million views i think now. A piece of crap doesn't have that and most of the comments are hilarious and I have thousands upon thousands of people who have come to me that they changed their entire life because of that video and I get messages about it every single day so I won and it's funny like when you watch it it's a funny ass video
1: it is funny, and and the the thing about the video, if you watch it the full way through, like many yeah. of your videos, you do qualify a lot of the things that you're saying very provocatively with some intentional language behind it. Like, hey, listen, like I actually want the best for you, but yeah. I'm I'm slapping you in the face with this message that's going to seem very affronting, but the intent behind it is to help you. Light a fire under your own ass to do something about your health, right? Yeah. And and I think sometimes, because everyone wants to boil these things down to little clicks, right? And <laughs> Sorry, clips. I saw the
0: lipstick on my teeth. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: okay. It's all good. Everybody wants to boil these things down to little clips and then take them out of context at times. Yep. I think that the struggle is you have to just like a great film or a great song, you got to stick with it to the end Mm -hmm. and then really back up and take a a 30,000 yard uh, view of what the intent was behind it. And I think for most of your videos, if people are willing to not just take the summarized version that some uh, biased reporter has done on you and actually dig into your material and do their own research, they'll realize that, there's a lot of kindness there and that that's one thing that really struck me too because you kind of have this this veneer of hard ass take no shit um but you're very thoughtful i mean in my interactions with you whether it's setting up a lunch appointment or whatever it is like you're very thoughtful and considerate and and empathetic Thanks. and i don't think people see that side of you very often do they do they see it more so in the long form podcast that you're doing
0: Uh, well, thank you. First of all, um, I think that people see it. Yeah. People see it definitely in my go team Academy, uh, because they're with me long form and people see it, I guess, more in the live streams and people in my real life see it for sure. Uh, and anybody who works with me, but I haven't. You know, I, I was kind of bred in this way where it's like, do the comedy, be funny, be the comedian. You have to be on all the time and be that. And it's just not true. And I'm not a one-dimensional being. And I really get off on talking about real-life stuff. And I love uh, kind of like that Oprah Super Soul vibe. Like, that's what I listen to all day. And, like, that's my thing. So that's really who I am. And when I did that, like, TED-style talk a couple years back about my car accident, people started going, oh. There's layers to this girl. And my surprise was, oh, you didn't know that? Like, people don't realize that an artist isn't always on all the time, you know? Like, that was kind of a surprise to me. So as I'm going, people are saying things to me more often, like, oh, I didn't know you were this. I didn't know you were so smart. That's always a funny backhanded compliment. (laughs) But... uh, they. I like, I get that really often. Like, Whoa, you're really smart. I had no idea. I'm like, Oh, uh, uh, ooh, maybe I got to work on that. I don't know. But, uh, Well, the amount of
1: creativity that you're churning out, I mean, that doesn't just happen in a vacuum, but it's interesting. You point to the trauma because again, I think this is important for people to understand Yeah. you were suicidal at one point. You were in a, in a terrible car accident, injured uh, to the point where you were basically bad ridden and, and on mm-hmm. painkillers all the time. And, Do you think there is a correlation between what you've been able to do in comedy and your ability to process the trauma that you went through? So finding an outlet for that trauma through some sort of creative endeavor, which for you has been comedy, but there's other things and we'll talk about those other things. Do you feel that that's helped you process all that pain that you had compartmentalized in your soul for so long?
0: One thousand percent. And to say that, like, the pain was not just from the accident. The pain was triggered by the accident. The pain was already there. Uh, You know, having to strip away all the things I thought I was as a human being happened because of the accident. But all those veneers were put on me way before it you know, I thought I was popular because I'm pretty or a model or a cheerleader or I'm important because I have XYZ friends or I make this much money or I'm on TV. That stuff had to be stripped away by the accident for me to feel that pain of not being that anymore. And then knowing that's never who I was, you know, like that's the cool lesson that happened in there. And then what I really learned, and this I think is where a lot of my stuff comes from, is that people in general, are in pain because we're full of shit. That's it, period. We are in pain and we make ourselves be in pain because we lie. We lie to ourselves. We lie to each other. We lie about what we want in life. We lie about what makes us happy. And then we get into these lies and then these lies turn into our lives and then we're depressed and then it goes from there and we're in crappy relationships. We're in a job we hate. I've said it before and like that's what it taught me. So I was like, you know, I just need to tell the truth. The truth is hilarious, because I'm in a world full of lies. So I made that list of all the things I needed to just tell the world the truth about. Being fat was on it, Instagram models was on it. Uh, today it was BLM. That was on my list today, because I saw an article about it. And I'm just like, just tell the truth. That's all you got to do. And Yeah, it kind of right. like happened from the accident. <clears throat> you,
1: well, I mean, I think the uh, <laughs> the me. idea that you found such a great way to creatively channel that trauma that you went through. Um, Not only from the accident, but like you say, I think a lot of people are like suppressing bullshit or suppressing their truth, I should say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in an effort, whether it's to look virtuous to the outside world Um, They're living a bullshit life or, or because, you know, on some level, they feel like they don't deserve happiness or they don't deserve fulfillment. They get trapped into something that, that isn't really indicative of who they are. And, you know, it's like, it's navigating this idea that you're not just a victim of the circumstances you encounter in your life. You're actually the architect of your life.
0: Right. And if you can...
1: Yep. yeah right right and and I mean it's it's an old idea it's not an original thought of mine but you know that idea that like the more you can strip away at the things that make you unhappy eventually you'll get to the root of who you really are and yep. from that you can pursue something that fulfills you
0: yes a thousand percent and you know what's fun about you is watching your life and your instagram and even our interactions you saying sorry i have um what were you doing with your daughter? The one day you guys were doing something really fun. I can't remember either. You're going to walk in the woods or you're going to the gym with your daughter. You guys are boxing or something. And that's in your schedule. Your daughter's little you're like, Oh, sorry, I can't do this now. Cause I'm boxing with my daughter at this time. And I'm doing this and I'm going jumping in the lake. And I'm like, this is great. Like, this is your life. You've designed it the way you want it. And you have your work times and like I love that. I love that you're just not flying in whatever direction the world pulls you. You're designing it. And it looks like you're having a lot of fun.
1: I am having a lot of fun. I uh, I love being a dad. That's not a secret. So um, (laughs) no, thanks for saying that and noticing it. I think, I think though that back to your point of this idea that people sometimes feel like they're out of control.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: and one of the things I think that that forces you to um, or sometimes puts you in a, in a compromised position, especially with the media, is your message right down at the root of it is get rid of the bullshit so you can mm-hmm. live the life you want and take control yes. of your trauma, of your pain, of your life, yeah. right? And, and the way you do that through comedy and through being very direct and punching people in the face at times, um, we might be able to quibble about the technique of that. But the bottom yeah. line is you've been you've been very successful at it.
0: Yeah, I have. And to me, the success isn't the views on my videos or me getting booked for things or making money. The success is my DMs full of people telling me I changed their lives. I won. The Go team growing every day. It works. So if it doesn't work for you, that's cool. Go eat at another restaurant when we were talking about like the dishes. If it does, cool. Welcome to the team. Let's go. And I, I like I like to think of myself as everybody's best friend that they'll come to with their problems and I'll tell them the truth. I'll be like, girl, don't date that guy. Or like, you know what I mean?
1: Totally. Have you ever had a, a situation where you've said something publicly um, and felt like you could understand where your detractors were coming from? Because I know you're very forthright, but yeah. <clears throat> there's got to be times where, Someone says something to you, and in that moment, you go, "Son of a bitch! I never considered that angle, or I never thought of it that way."
0: Yes, uh, you know. No, I have no regrets on any of it, though. Um, no, not
1: regrets. Just, just an understanding of happen? the perspective.
0: Not really, because I I always look at everything from three sixty degrees before I even speak on it. That's just kind of how I look at things, and. I say it the way I say it on purpose.
1: You're very fortunate you have the ability to do that because not most people, including myself, do. It's like, oh, shit, I would have put that differently.
0: Yeah, but I I know that you can never do something perfectly for everyone to like it, so I stopped trying to make it perfect for everyone to like it. If I say it this way, these people won't Mm -hmm. like it. If I say it this way, these people will get upset. So if I just say it the way I'm going to say it, the people meant for me will be with me. The people not won't. Maybe I'll get them on another video. Maybe I won't. And I just think that's so important for artists, for entrepreneurs, for anybody, is just stay in your fucking lane. Just be you. And then people w- who want you will come to you. But if you're like trying to tailor it to make people like you, you're going to have this fake veneer going on that's going to crack one day, and you're going to be really unhappy. So I just do my best. And if, if I've ever said something and then I learn more information after – I'm cool to share that info too. Like I love being wrong. Cause it means I learned so that like, I don't have ego about learning. So if I ever have to correct myself, I'll be like, Oh, my bad. This actually means this. And then it's good.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. I think that's a, that's an evolved perspective, right. To get to that <laughs> place where it's, it's less about ego and pride. And, you know, I wish more politicians could drink from that cup. You know, right? it's like from when side. you screw
0: up, yeah. it's
1: okay you're human yeah from all sides of the political spectrum it's okay yeah. you're human like you know when we talk about uh, controversial subjects like the pandemic response right and how the world was shut down and, and how there was a lot of 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 uh, you know in some cases very righteous fear depending on what your underlying health conditions or what the conditions mm-hmm. of your body are like this can be a, a lethal disease I'm not saying yep. it's not But it would have been different if health professionals from the beginning had said something to the effect of, listen, you're probably all going to get this thing. It's really Mm -hmm. contagious. The good news is you're probably not going to die unless you have these underlying conditions. So what we're going to do is we're going to protect those people. They're vulnerable as much as possible, but we're going to continue on to have everyone modify their life to a degree. But you know, continue on so that we don't end up with a bunch of unintended consequences off the back end of this situation, right? Like yep. suicide, depression, etc. Yep. No one's been able to do that. No one's been able to go, hey, I think we over-indexed on our response to this. Right. And you know what? We, we were just doing it from a place of, of concern. Yep. And now we've realized we've got to walk this back a little bit and slowly reintegrate uh society back to some degree of normalcy yep man how refreshing if a politician came out and said that yeah i would be be, amazing they'd have my vote to the end of time
0: same same i was saying that the other day i'm like it's okay to say you guys were wrong it's a brand new virus and yeah i followed every single protocol i always did until i got it and then when i got it It wasn't awesome. It was like a really bad cold flu for three weeks-ish. I did get the chest pains. That was, like to me, the only scary part. Um, And I used oxygen, and I did all these things. Um, But then after, I went, there's no reason the world should be shut down for that. There's no reason. And uh, like my friend that I was with, he had asthma, and he had it much worse than I did. And even he said the same thing. There's no reason the world should be shut down for that. And then I got mad. I got really mad because I thought about all my friends that are entrepreneurs, all the business owners, all the all the people who lost everything because I might get a chest cold for a couple weeks. Like it just I was so pissed off after I'm like, we're not being honest about what's going on. And I don't like that.
1: I'm sorry, just
0: one sec. I'm just going to plug in my computer because I saw the little alert.
1: I'm sorry to cut us off there. No, 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 that's all fine. We can edit that out. No big deal. Okay.
0: There it was.
1: Okay.
0: Um, Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I think that we could have been smarter about, you know, adjusting on the fly. And I understand governments are, you know, they're, they're gregarious at the best of times, right? Like Mm -hmm. they, they don't navigate and adapt quickly, but we could have adjusted on the fly really poured more time money resources into making sure that the most most vulnerable were protected mm-hmm. but making sure that people who who were in good health could still go out and participate in, in the world. Life. so yeah right i think we'll look back on this in a decade similar to the way we all look back on the iraq war and go mm what did we do and why did we do it? And I know we were all caught up in the fever of it at the time, but man, we could have done things so much differently and hopefully we will learn from it.
0: Yes. For me, the whole thing feels like the first time you jump off a high dive. Like I remember being terrified last March, mostly for my family and you know, you're getting all your supplies and we're all doing that thing. You're scared every day, watching the news every day. And then eventually when I got it, I was like, okay, well, I'm jumping off. And then I get to the bottom. I'm like, that was it? That's it? And I talked to all my friends who have had it, and only one of hundreds of people I know who've had it have had adverse effects. I was like, oh, we're just just a bunch of cowards. We overdid it. But that's why I don't take the media seriously when they say nonsense about me, is because all they do is over-exaggerate. They're professional gossip girls who over-exaggerate everything, and they know that negative news runs. So they're not going to tell us great stuff. They're not saying every day, this is how many millions of people survived COVID. They're like, guess how many people died? Rawr. You might die too. <laughs> Nicole Arbor is horrible. This actress did this awful thing, but we care about mental health. Then why are you talking shit about this actress? <laughs> like, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. The level of of hypocrisy. And I mean, you've got heterodox opinions on, on a plethora of issues uh, oh, yeah. that deviate from sort of the, the Hollywood standard Um there must have been, I mean, I know that you've got a fidelity towards uh, a truth or certainly what you see is the truth at the time. And sometimes that changes as you grow and learn and evolve and
0: yeah. acquire
1: more knowledge. But there must've been a temptation to play <coughs> into that culture of, of, you know, that everybody's got to think the same way and mirror the same talking points on the same issues all the time
0: mm-hmm. i mean
1: this homogenous group think that we see out of hollywood and out of pop culture i mean you're really standing firm against that but at times it must have been tempting mm-hmm. to play into it because frankly it's probably cost you some money and some opportunities
0: nothing worth having is what i've realized um, i don't we're going to die one day all of us we don't know what day that's going to be i don't want to be on a set working with people that if I say one thing wrong out of their script that they've written for me for my life that I have to think that I might get fired and then I have to rebuild my whole life and my whole career and then they're going to cancel me and then they're going to spread in the press that I'm an awful person and try and dig things up. What a shitty way to live. So I don't feel like I've lost anything that was worth having if i've lost anything uh, like my life right now is pretty freaking cool and i can feel the trajectory of it and the people i'm around are good people who all act the same way like we just do whatever and we we butt heads on our opinions on different topics um especially like i, w- I was in various pride parades but i know people who say you're racist if you would ever vote for trump and i, I have to sit there and go well no I sat beside you on the pride float. I helped organize the parade, but also I think that he defends free speech. So I think that, and to me, it's like, it's not even tempting to jump to one side or the other. It's just tempting to just really fight to like stick into whatever I think on any given topic, anytime that to me, yeah, is we've really best.
1: lost our ability to be nuanced, right? right? Like that, that is something that, that I, I, I am a little bit concerned for, cause I'm all for diversity, yeah, skin color, gender, but also I don't mind exposing myself to opinions and thoughts that I might not agree with, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm firm enough in my values that I'm not threatened by them.
0: Yeah, You know, and,
1: and I, I wish there was more of a preponderance of that in our culture where it's like, yeah, I mean, I can, I can think whatever I think about Donald Trump, At the end of the day, I'm a Canadian. I'm not voting. It doesn't really matter. But uh, the fact that you believe in or support or vote for him uh, is one small quotient of your overall personality. And there are so many other things about you that we can connect on and find common ground on. And, yeah. and our, our objective, I think as humans, and I certainly think you exemplify this uh, is to, affect people to be the best versions of themselves and if you want to do that you have to have some fucking rapport like you have to be able to talk to them and connect with them and if you're unwilling to go down that road because you're so your preconceived bias is so has built this wall that you won't even engage in a conversation it's like Mm -hmm. I always say this to my friends who who are you know hardcore extremists on either side of the ideological spectrum. It's like, well, what's your plan? Like if all Trump voters are terrible people, yeah. is the plan to put them on trains and ship them to concentration camps? Like what's the I've end heard game? This Because yeah. if you want to moderate their perspective and have them understand why maybe according to you and, and maybe according to the empirical truth, they have embraced a corrupted belief structure about someone or something. Yes. Then you have to build rapport with that person in order to convince them to come back from the edge.
0: Yes. A right. Thousand percent. And, and we, I'm, I'm thinking about my comments. We're losing
1: right our, yeah, totally. We're yeah. losing our ability to do that. It's like, it's like, man, you can't bring people on side if you just call them something. And and block them and cancel them and push them away and ostracize them and not only ostracize them But force them to build community with other people who have been ostracized who probably also have those same Extreme in some cases corrupted beliefs, right? Like we're creating our own enemy literally
0: you're a thousand percent, right a thousand percent and as you were saying that I thought of two recent instances one I went on uh, a podcast last week it'll come out soon of um, a girl who does porn and only fans and she did porn for years and whatever uh, very different aesthetic to me very different Instagram aesthetic to myself and I could tell she was kind of nervous to have me on because we're so we have different views on that to me I'm just like yeah of course and like she's very liberal I'm I'm not on those kind of beliefs and I could tell that she was nervous and she was even like talking to her fans about like, well, I wasn't going to have Nicole on maybe because we have such different thoughts. But then I was like, maybe we should. I'm like, yeah, obviously. Listen, I don't want anybody's little girl to be in porn. I don't, I don't think any little girl grows up and says, I want to be, you know, doing whatever to myself on camera every day for money. I don't believe that's true. I think a trauma caused it and then we re victimize ourselves and pretend it's empowerment. That's my belief. And I can still sit there and talk to her. Like, we could shoot the shit. We could go for coffee. We could do whatever. I don't care. But that's my thought on that thing, you know? And we have, to a degree, lost that. But I'm encouraged because I'm like, great. There's people like me who's willing to do it. And I'm willing to do it publicly. And I'll do it publicly with anybody who will talk with me. Anybody who will sit down, I'll talk to you. All right, let's do it. Like, so... It's crazy, but I do feel um, I was at the Daily Wire yesterday and seeing how these dudes and I talked to them about this, like uh, I consider them like super nerd dudes in the best of ways. So like Ben Shapiro and um, that that whole crew over there at Daily Wire. Ben Shapiro is
1: definitely a nerd.
0: Ben Shapiro's and, a nerd. And he He's talks awesome. like
1: like 6,000 words a minute. But, uh, but anyway, proceed.
0: It's that like 160 IQ or something that does it. And then, yeah. you know, like Jeremy and the whole crew over there. They're like, to me, the super pack of dude nerds in the best way. Like, I love those kind of guys. They have come in and swooped in and uncanceled at least three giant women that I know of. Well, at first they uncanceled a feature film that just nobody was picking up that had a lead female, a young female in it. And it's an action movie. And this young girl comes in and like kicks everybody's asses in a really like cool, legitimate way. Not like she has superpowers. The film's called run, hide, fight and it's dope. It's like an amazing action film. So they were like, we'll buy that. And we'll put that out. I was like, what,
1: why was it not under consideration in Hollywood? Did it have some sort of uh, conservative message
0: to it? A bit, yeah. So the young girl knew how to shoot and she was shooting with mm-hmm. her dad, practicing at the beginning of the film and it's a better school shooting. But instead of the angle of school shooting, which Hollywood goes for is like, oh, we all have to run away. And like, it's terrifying. This one young girl's like, nope. And she decides to go back in and fight and she gets her booty kicked at part of it. And like, it's realistic, but it's it's like kind of a, a spirit kind of thing to it. So that was one. And then Candace Owens, you know, media tried to cancel her. They're like, well, we're going to give her her own show and that's coming out. And it's going to be awesome. And then uh, Gina, who was just fired from Disney, they not only they grabbed her and they were like, we're going to give you your own feature film too. And you're going to co-produce it. And I wouldn't expect that from those guys, but there's this counterculture bubbling up now where it's just like, we're sick of all of the nonsense, where it's just like, just stop being shitty people. Just talk to people. Us disagreeing on one thing isn't worth us not being cool. It's just not. So I'm excited. I know you're a lot
1: younger than I am, but yeah. when I was a kid, the left was the bastion of, mm-hmm. of, or was the last bastion at the time of free speech. Yeah, the rigid um, uh, religiosity rooted right wing Mm
0: -hmm. was
1: was so much about you can't say these words. If you think these thoughts, if you listen to these songs, you're going to hell. And so so there was there was this real push from the right to tell people what to do and what not to do. And I'll tell you, as a teenager, it drove me to the ideological left because I was like over there, they have a fucking sense of humor Yep. I can say what I want and separate that out from, you know, or within reason, obviously. You don't want to you gotta be careful with the free speech thing because it comes with an associated responsibility, right? Yes, exactly. Like, like there is a responsibility to free speech. But, but you we can say jokes, what you but want. We know.
0: Yeah. Right. Within we know reason
1: or tell a joke and, and you weren't gonna be condemned for it. And it was it's been so interesting for me to in my lifetime to watch that shift over to the left. Mm-hmm. and, and have the right somehow now trying to champion free speech. It's like, this all seems fucking backwards to me. It is. And I don't blame people for like Elon Musk for thinking that we're living in a simulation because yeah. none of this makes sense to me.
0: Yeah. You know, I, a thousand percent. I watched it too. And I swear it was like five, six years ago, right? When I started making videos online that I went, excuse me, is nobody else noticing we're going crazy. Nobody. Nobody's noticing how nuts we're acting. So I just kept poking at the crazy that I saw. And people would be like, you can't talk about our crazy. And I'm like, I'm going to keep talking about your crazy because you're being crazy. And then as it kept going, people are like, hey, wait a minute. Now we have obese women on covers and it says healthy underneath it. And now we have like all these other topics that I have already brought up are being re-brought up. And now it's way worse. And wait, why? Uh, It's it's anti-feminism to not teach 13 year old girls how to have an OnlyFans page and do anal. And I'm like, I called you crazy five years ago for a reason. I saw it coming and it does feel simulation like, but from a comedic standpoint, I think we're at a, we're entering a golden age. It's a
1: golden age for a, for a comedian for sure. And you're seeing the rise of, of people like yourself and um, Ryan Long, who we've talked about before. I knew you were going to say Ryan. Yeah, How fun is Ryan. That? He's awesome, That's and Canadians you know him for years, swinging. right? Oh Canadians yeah, People are crushing used to think it. We're
0: siblings, like <clears throat> we kind of do. Like if we're standing beside each other, it's like, oh yeah, we could look related. Um, yeah, Canadians are coming out swinging in the comedy. It's really, it's making me happy.
1: <laughs> it's just so interesting to see, and and it, I think I think we all have to resist the temptation to conflate people who reflect some of the same values possessed within one ideology with yep. the worst elements of that ideology. Yeah. So what I mean by that is um, on the right, you see people going like, listen, I, I you know I'm voting for Trump. I don't really want to, but like, I, you know, here are
0: the
1: things I have. So that person's all, all, you know, white supremacist and racist and, and, and a sexist and a, and a homophobe. And it's like, OK. And then on the left, you see it, too, where people on the right sometimes are tempted yep. to conflate people who have more liberal views with yes. the worst elements of that most extreme side of the ideology. Right. And I think as human beings, we all need to resist that temptation because it, it is very easy to go. All right. Well, you believe this. So this must mean this, this and this about you.
0: Yeah, isn't right? that how racism causes problems? Like you are this. That's so the irony this, of this. it. Like that's what? the what irony of it. People are yeah. silly. We're causing our own problems.
1: And it's we're- it is so heartbreaking because you're right. Uh sort of the, the the root of racism is taking a look at somebody, seeing the wrapping paper and not the gift yeah that resides inside them or the gifts they could offer to the world yeah and and making an assumption based on that and and it's unfortunate, you know, like I mean, obviously it's unfortunate when someone's a hardcore racist, but what I'm also seeing is this this strange uh, type of racism that that is existing in the ideological left mm-hmm. whereby when they see someone who has uh, a minority skin color, they want to automatically label that person a victim. I have lots of friends who happen to not be white who aren't fucking victims, man. Like they are crushing it in life. And it's like, it's a little condescending. Yeah. It's a little condescending and a little bit um, presumptive. And I know sometimes the intent is good, but I've had Friends of mine who are individuals of color who have said like, I fucking hate it. Like there's nothing that annoys me more than a white liberal, like trying to show how they're an ally of mine rather than just an individual treating me and talking to me like I'm a human being.
0: Yeah. it's anyway. like the babying thing. <clears throat> you know what I mean? It's, it's that like white savior thing or whatever. It's just weird. It's just, I'm like, can't, can't you just be normal? Everybody, can't we just act normal?
1: Like we can But there's also this weird thing that happens and you've encountered because you've talked a lot about sexism and especially oh, yeah. in comedy and on your journey as a as a female entrepreneur. But there's this weird thing too that happens in this dynamic between men and women where like I'm always like listen, if there are barriers in your way because of your gender, that's fucked. We need to yeah. fix that. But ultimately, if we do fix that, you will rise by virtue of your assets, you know, whatever yes. they may be to the marketplace. Right. Um, but there's this weird thought and I see it, uh, you know, in the music industry that men need to save women, which to me mm. is the opposite of female empowerment. It's it like, is, no, no, no.
0: Exactly. If,
1: if we get rid of the barriers and and we should, and, You know, I think that you can argue about whether those exist in music, Mm -hmm. but if they do exist, we got to get rid of those because there needs to be a quality of opportunity. And then it's kind of up to you. Like, and and you can't keep playing the card that the reason I'm not successful is because of this, this, and this. Yeah. If it's not. Yeah. And to some degree, that can be proven.
0: I feel like the internet was the great equalizer. If you're good, you're good. The end. You don't need a record label, you have the internet. You don't need like and that goes for musicians, comedians, speakers, entrepreneurs, anything. There are no barriers really for the internet era. So you can crush that way. I have a bunch of friends who make music, put it on the internet, hit the Billboard charts. Make music, put it on the internet, hit Billboard. Who produces or it? Don't. Yeah, or, or don't. Yeah, or don't,
1: but they make a shit yeah. ton of money anyway and they own everything.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it just doesn't fly anymore. People are like I remember the same comics making fun of me for doing YouTube videos, being like, yeah, oh, you're not a real comic anymore. You're making YouTube, blah, blah, blah. 100% of them have their YouTubes now because COVID hit and they couldn't do stand-up. And I'm like, mm-hmm, that was just ahead. So it's just, it's just the equalizer. And now it's funny because they're like, oh, yeah, you only got views because you got bibs or you're whatever. And I'm like, well, all right, zip up. I'm in my- I had a viral video the other week with a freaking turtleneck on go on, sir. You know, it's, maybe it's just, you're not as good. And that's a possibility, <laughs> you know, it's kind of Yeah. Fun, and that's,
1: it's, it's funny what people will create in terms of excuses to justify why they're not successful. And, and the more that you can root that out in individuals and go, Hey, listen, like maybe it is because you don't have great boobs or you're not handsome or, you know, you have this skin cut. Co- maybe it is that, that thing. But yeah. maybe it's these other seven things you're not paying attention to because you're so focused on this one thing that gives you this identity to to identify as a victim. And that is so tempting for people because it, it just gives you, you know, and, and I'm not saying this doesn't, there are people who are real victims in life and who have gotten a shitty deal of the cards, right? Yes. Like those people exist. I'm not denying the existence of that. Okay. But there are people who want to pretend that they've had that even though they haven't just because they haven't figured out their angle on how to how to succeed
0: you're gonna laugh jim i went on a rant on a comic recently who's probably twice my age uh he we were sitting having some drinks and he's like you know if i got this or if this person would have taken me on this tour with them or if this would have then i would i'm like no i was like how many videos did you put out this week on your instagram he's like none i was like okay, well, these young guns that are coming up that are, you're saying are stealing your stage time. Let's just, okay. They've done four, four different sketches this week. So they're building their audience. Uh, how many podcasts did you go on this week? None. And I was like, you're not doing the work. The game changed. You got to change with it. It's not their fault. It's your fault. So come back to me with the same speech after you do all the things necessary. And then tell me there's some unfair advantage or disadvantage that you have. And he was just like, <laughs> but I'm just not having it. Like excuses just don't count to me anymore.
1: Do you know uh, who Cameron Haynes is?
0: I know that name.
1: Yeah. He's, he's been on Joe Rogan a few times. He's um he's probably the best bow hunter in the world. Cool. Uh, but he's also the reason I follow him on Instagram is because he's a beast. He like runs a marathon every day. He's just, he's like 50 years old, great shape. Anyway, he has this slogan, which I do love. No one cares. Work harder.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I <don't> like <laughs> and, you that. Know,
1: for for most of us, that's the reality. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying there aren't people out there who who don't have uh, a rough roll of the dice. They do exist, but there are a lot of people out there who want to pretend that they uh, that, that that it's external reasons to point to for them that uh, contribute to their lack of success in any given domain. And there's lots of people out there who just need to maybe resonate and and understand and appreciate that message. Like, listen, no one really cares. Everybody has their own version of trauma and their own shit and their own history. And some people more than others, but everybody has something that they can uh, complain about. And everybody has some sort of uh, superhero embedded within them that they just haven't discovered yet.
0: I like to look at it as fossil fuel, So, you know, the person who discovered fossil fuel, they could have been like, ew, look at this black goo. But they're like, nah, I'm going to make it fuel shit. Like the same person could have looked at that and been like, ew, I need to wash my hands. And someone else turned it into a fricking rocket fuel. I'm like, yeah, that's what trauma is to me.
1: That's not dissimilar to the feedback you probably get online. Like one thing that I've often coached my artists through is uh, if they get trolls or, or shitty comments, I always remind them, listen, it's all fuel.
0: Yeah. Right? Like it's, it's all fuel. You
1: can, right. You can, you can take encouragement and that can be your fuel, but you can also take the people who said you didn't have it or you weren't going to make it. And that can be your fuel as well. And uh-huh. And the comments are the comments. You can't do anything about that, but how you choose to process them and how you choose to let them affect you. That's where the magic is.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I always think of the comment section as a stadium. It doesn't matter what level of professional athlete you are. There's people screaming, boo, Tom Brady, boo, you suck at every game. So that's going to be in the comment section because someone's drunk, <laughs> you know, like someone's in there drunk. So whatever, it doesn't matter if they think I suck, they go find something else. I don't care. That's cool. I yeah, and, and At least you
1: have the courage to create and put something out there. Right. Like that's the yeah. other thing is, is the level of, and, and this is obviously propagated by social media, the level of armchair quarterbacking oh, that there yeah. is. I mean, the most hilarious places in sports, right? Somebody oh, Floyd Mayweather sucks. It's like you would last four seconds in the ring with him.
0: Not like even you, yeah, totally. I, I like, like to think of the people judging the beauty pageants. Like they sit at home and like she's ugly. She her yeah. waist is whatever, the hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah,
1: It's just, I mean, it, hey, uh, I can forgive that a little bit because you might be born ugly, but uh, you no, know, just teasing. Surgery uh, is you, what it is. yeah. You can, you can certainly understand, and and for anybody who's a creator, whether you're an artist, a comedian, um, if you're putting yourself out there it is unfortunate that we live in a world now that it's so much easier to burn things down, even though there, it is so much easier to create, right. Burning things down with hateful comments is, I get it. It's part of the game. It's, it's not like I don't see the utility in criticism, but I think it's really important for people who want to criticize to be self-aware enough to go, man, at least they're doing this. Like I've never done that. Like, that's kind of how I keep my criticism at bay, whether it's politicians or public figures. It's like, you know what? I may not agree with this person on this, but they've done these eight things that I would never have the courage to do. And in that, I can find admiration for them to some degree.
0: That's right, And humanize them. Yeah, yeah.
1: I appreciate that. But I also think like it's, it would be, it'd be nice if, we saw that reflected more publicly because I think that a lot of people want to judge you uh, and don't understand the full context of your personality, how intentional you are trying to encourage the best in people. And maybe they don't like the delivery of the message, but they know somewhere deep down there are aspects of that message that are true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I hear you on that. Sometimes they don't like the delivery. Sometimes they don't like the package that it came in. Uh, Sometimes they don't like what time of day they watched it. Maybe they were taking a poop and it was harsh. Like, who knows? But I just, I really want other artists to know that you don't have to care. And there is this like little timidness to artists that it's like, oh, um, but people said some things. Good. People said some things. Good. Worry when there's nobody commenting. That's when you worry. Uh, I started like a firefight a couple of hours ago because I was posting about the, the BLM thing on my Facebook and I saw the comment section just go Phew. it had a thousand shares in like a minute. I'm like, oh this one's going. Great. Fight in my comment section. Hope some of you learn something. I've had people fight it out there and become friends. I had um, I talked about this on a live stream recently. I had a girl who is really a fan message and say that she's unfollowing me like a couple years ago and she hated one of my comments and then i dm'd her back and we we got into it about what we were actually meant and now she's a friend and we work together and she just released her first book and she mentions me and that situation in it like the diversity of the of the fight i think is good i think it is churning out some diamonds from the coal and you just have to swing. I, I always go back to it. We're going to be dead. You're going to be dead. So fuck up, artists. Go for it. Maybe what yeah. you put out was a piece mm-hmm. of shit. Maybe you could do it better. I have videos I put out that I watch them now, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't awesome. But I had to learn. And How it. do you
1: evade? Uh, so, so obviously you don't have a problem with the idea of not playing to the crowd right? We've established no. that. Yeah. But how do you determine now that you're more identified with the ideological right and yeah. the mega movement and all of that? How do you maintain the self-awareness to go? I don't want to play to that crowd either. Like there's still an empirical truth that I believe, whether yeah. it aligns with right wing views or not, even though I'm embraced by that community. Yeah. That's got to be so tough to navigate, and and I think you could give people great insight into. I don't even how to, think like, about it, Jim. I don't that? think
0: about it. I don't think about it at all. I, I like. I don't want to give you a. Job well, you're pro. Answer. You're
1: pro-choice, for example, right? Uh, you're pro-choice. I'm
0: not. I'm, you're not anymore. Well, it's it's a it's a remix. It's a. I've had to think <laughs> okay. about that a lot, a lot that was my one that I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what I think about this, so I don't want to talk about it because I don't know what I think about it. Uh, Do I think that women- But but you had
1: publicly said at one point that you were pro-choice. Yes. um, And you've you've changed those views over time.
0: Yes, because I think think abortion has been lobbed into the whole uh, selfish, just be selfish, do whatever's good for you kind of thing. And I think women need to take more accountability. I think it's not a form of birth control ladies. I think there's certain circumstances where I don't want a woman who was raped to have to give birth to that baby. I don't want, you know, if there's a birth defect and it happened with a pretty close friend of mine where they thought that there might be some severe defects and life-changing kind of things. I was like, hey, I understand if that's what you got to do. But I don't think it's a form of birth control. And I think we're being assholes to be just throwing around human life like that and That's not what we're supposed to be doing. So I think that we need to have a little bit more responsibility.
1: Do you believe, and I'm I'm actually taking this from an excerpt of an old video of yours I listened to? I was doing lots of research this week, so forgive me. Um, Do you think that in that particular video, and, and I agree with what you said here, I think that anybody who, or any woman who goes through the process of contemplating and then going through with an abortion, probably isn't doing it in a very cavalier fashion it's probably something that that they have tortured themselves over making the decision on so i think to be fair like i don't know if it is something that people just sort of like see as this like instant birth control option
0: Um, I'm sure that
1: does happen. It's on
0: TikTok. It's a trend on TikTok right now where girls are filming in the abortion clinic and they're going like, when he sends you a cute message before the abortion. And like, it's so normalized now that that's why I have that feeling on it. Cause girls are like, whatever, just go get an abortion. I've had four whatever. Like they're treating it like it's just like a, like you're taking plan B, which I think is fine. Take plan B. I've taken plan B a bunch of times. It was not my plan A, but I took plan B. Um, But I do see the younger generation, like the younger millennials, elder, yeah, younger millennials and lower are treating it as a form of birth control. Like it's nothing. Whereas I feel like elder millennials and older didn't treat it like that. It was something you would torment over. And like, is this the right thing to do? And I don't want to be doing this. I feel like it's a generational thing and it's just become super cavalier. And yeah. It was it exactly. Bill
1: Clinton that said, uh, abortion should be, uh, accessible, safe and rare or something like that. I think, right. Like, think like, like that was sort of the the prevailing pro-choice, um, narrative in the late nineties and early two thousands. And again, it's a generational thing. I'm showing my age all the time, but <laughs> it was sort of like, yeah, if you need to do this, like if your yeah. life is, is in a place where you cannot handle the responsibility, uh, and you believe you're going to bring that child into a worse situation, yeah. you know, like or or a, a tragic situation. It's an option, right? Mm-hmm. So I understand that, but I, I I wasn't aware of like the TikTok bullshit and the fact that it's gotten so pathologized because it's creepy. Um, yeah, it's a it's a like listen, it's a tough one. I mean, you and I talk about lots of strange things <laughs> yeah. in our conversations. And this is obviously a powder keg. I mean, I'm pro-choice, but I see the validity of the pro-life movement in that who is speaking for the fetus, right? Like like there needs to be some advocacy group because they don't have a voice themselves. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That thought used to be a left-wing tenet of, of philosophy, right? It was like someone needs to speak for the people who cannot Speak, speak for themselves, for themselves right? Yep, that
0: is inherently so a left thing, yeah.
1: That that was a left thing. So to me, again, it's it's like this strange paradox of like, yeah, I understand. Like I, a woman's right to choose, I think that's sacred and I think we have to preserve it. Mm-hmm. But I think to pathologize it or to make it um, so culturally convenient that we dismiss the gravity of the act itself is a mistake. And I think you can hold those, you can possess those two beliefs um to some I degree. just
0: I just came up with something, Jim, while you're saying that. While you're saying that, I thought to myself, unless it was, you know, a, a violent or a rape or something really bad like that situation, I kind of think girls should have to have the baby. Then now you've learned the lesson. Because there's so many parents that are waiting to adopt babies right now. Like I've seen the list, it's massive. So maybe if girls started to have to at least have the baby, and then you can give it up for adoption after, then they wouldn't be doing that again. And and they wouldn't be you know just throwing things around because for it to happen now, that means you didn't wear a condom or if the condom broke, you didn't do a day two contraception, which costs 50 bucks, you know what I mean? Or less. A lot of places you can get it for free. If you're at college, I think it's like five bucks or something. That means you didn't take multiple steps. So maybe you're going to, you don't have this for nine months and then give it to a loving family. It, because I don't know who it is yet. I'm just, I'm just making shit up, but maybe there's something else in it where we're not killing fetuses because that's always been my weird thing is I'm like, when is it alive? When is the spirit in it? I don't, I don't know the answer. So I'm just not going to do it myself. I don't
1: know. I don't know either. I I think I think if there were more government programs to support women who who were pregnant but didn't want to keep the child through yes. their pregnancy. So, mm. you know, for example, a lot of women don't have a great experience with pregnancy and they're sick all the time and they can't hold down a job and and so if if there was some sort of program whereby you know, you could you could assist those individuals in you know, in good clear intent to go listen, we're going to make sure that you're healthy. You got all the vitamins you need. You got all the nutrition you need. Mm -hmm. And at the end of nine months, that baby is going to go to a loving family. And all of a sudden, like, why not? Right? Like we figured out what's that?
0: It might be a cool solution.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure there are, you know, I'm not thinking this thing through and I need some I need days to think about it oh, uh, for sure.
0: because you know, there way. could be
1: downsides and unintended consequences, but it's like, you know, why couldn't that be one of the choices in a pro-choice argument, right?
0: Ooh, I think Bring the good. baby to
1: term, yeah. make sure that it, it, it and it's, it is an option right now, but I don't think there's a lot of programs that exist for women who end up, you know, with an unplanned pregnancy other than. You know, you can have an abortion, you can give it up for adoption, but if you give it up to ad- for adoption, even if you have a terrible experience with the pregnancy, you're essentially on your own, it would mm. be great to see more support for them in that
0: yeah. domain. I totally yeah, in that agree. Process. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. That's a, I, we might be onto something. We we might be onto nothing, but we try. This is
1: why I wanted to do a podcast with you because I knew that we'd <laughs> talk about all kinds of controversial fun shit. Um Yay. So you are a stand-up comedian who yeah. was born out of the internet, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram age. What are the major differences you have when you get up in front of a live audience versus when you're creating in in this situation that you're much more accustomed to and much more comfortable with?
0: Interesting question. So, I did stand up quite under the weather a couple of weeks ago and It was harder for me to, uh, because I was super under the weather, it was hard for me to feel the audience because I'm used to just hitting that energy right away. Um, And then there's a little bit of a, it depends what crowd I'm walking onto. Because now I can walk into a crowd and it's my crowd there's millions of people watching my stuff all the time. So I can walk out and they already like me. So they already know my vibe. They already know what I want, what I'm going to do. And then it's a totally different game. Um, If I'm going to an open mic or if I'm right, a random night and they might not know me, I have to spend five minutes introducing myself to these people. And I don't think I want to do that anymore. After the last few times I did stand up, like just popping up places. If the crowd doesn't necessarily know me or one or two do, I'm like, well, why would I do that? Like, you know, I don't see, you know, Michael Bublé trying to find a crowd where nobody knows him so he can sing an open mic and see if people like his song. It, it kind of seems silly uh, that I've built a, a platform and I would just perform randomly. But in terms of like actually live crowds, oh, I fucking love them. I love them, and I think that for me next is the evolution of I don't want to do stand-up because everyone else does so i want to do all of nicole arbor on stage in one big ass show so it's not just standing there with a mic that would never be enough for me it's there's going to have dancers there's acts there's going to be live stuff there's sketches there's all sorts of different things i want a big ass experience that's what i want to do yeah
1: and so there'd be multimedia elements to this oh yeah Um, would it be still relatively comedic or would it be a sort of a combination of of a lot of the stuff you do online is sort of this combination of inspiration and comedy.
0: It depends what venue. So it'll be a different show. If it's like a daytime sit down Q and a, we're doing the book tour, make it funny in that way. And then there's the Vegas show that once Vegas is back open to normal, I have a completely different show written. That's made for Vegas for that party crowd for that. Let's get fucked up and have a great time. It's raunchy, fun, dirty, crazy, And it's different parts of my personality. It's like daytime and nighttime, Nicole.
1: (laughs) Very interesting. So it could be something that could literally uh, be booked up for a women's conference and a Uh comedy club in the same marketplace, just marketing to a different demographic for both.
0: 100%. And I want to give that women's conference a different option. And that I think is half the fun of it because we aren't one dimensional people. And I think this is why comedians or musicians crack under the pressure of fame is because you get stuck in that little box and like you are this, stay here, play this note. And I'm not one note. You're typecast. And I don't want, I want to be everything I am because it makes me happy. So I'm going to keep doing that.
1: I love that you have that aspect to your character, but Mm -hmm. I also think sometimes like the downside of that, and I'm I'm speaking from my experience with musicians is sometimes if you're trying to be everything to everybody, you end up being nothing to nobody. Right. Like it's, it's like, there can be a downside to not focusing on one thing and getting really good at it. Um, I mean, listen, some people are just multi-talented and they can kind of do it all, you know, but a lot of people,
0: old school. A lot of people can't. Sorry to cut you off. No, I, no, like no. I always think of the old school entertainers are who I look up to. Dick Van Dyke. I, I want to sing and dance and act and choreograph and direct and do all those things. And, those are the people that I grew up watching that uh, singing in the rain. That's the stuff that to me, I'm like, those are entertainers. And that's, that's what I've gone to. And if no one told me I can't be everything I would have never known. So I think I just have to go back to being a kid and doing that. And, you know, we both, uh, I think you follow him now, Ryan Upchurch that you saw that I was doing yeah. some stuff with. So that guy's crazy in a great way. He's like, I'm just not listening. So he's, Charted on Billboard with his country album. He had a number one country album. He had a number one rock album. He had a number one rap album. He's just like, I'm gonna do what I want. I'm like, perfect. That's awesome. You know, and I think it's it's kind of cool to just do do what you want. Let the market tell you.
1: Yeah, and uh, if it doesn't work, the market's gonna tell you, and then yeah. you can recalibrate like how important it is to you and how much you want to prioritize it moving forward. Like uh, back in the um, uh, late nineties, Garth Brooks put out a pop project that was supposed to be affiliated with a movie and it was a a soundtrack and he put it out under the pseudonym Chris Gaines and it was a pop album. Um, Garth was the biggest country artist in the world and he really wanted to um, make an impact on the pop charts. Obviously that must've been the impetus for it. Um, But the thing is, he didn't really own it. He put it mm-hmm. out under a pseudonym and uh, a character that was supposed to be part of this movie called The Lamb at the time. And and I think that really opened him up for more criticism. So to your point, I think you're right. If you want to try something, try it, but you got to own it. You got to yeah. own it, whether it works or not. And if it doesn't work and you're successful in other realms, it's, it's really important, I think, sometimes to fail publicly and let oh, people know great. like, hey, listen, I tried this it didn't work. I'm still doing this over here and I'm still really good at it. But I think if more people had the courage to fail publicly rather than overanalyze and overthink and, and, and procure studies and, and focus groups, it's like, just Uh, try it, man. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you are like every other human that's ever existed in history, which means you're going to try something and fail. And that's how we get better. That's how we figure shit out.
0: Exactly. It's like kids, like kids will be like, they'll try dance lessons and maybe they hate it, but then, okay, we'll put them in soccer. How do you feel about soccer? Okay, cool. We're going to put you, it's not like, Oh, you failed at dance lessons and you're done. Get out kid. I don't know why we put these stupid things on us. It's just so, it's so, I'm rapping, you know that, right? Like I rap and I love it. And that's how my brain works. And I was in the studio the other day and they were like, you're going very fast. I'm like, Oh, my bad. Am I not supposed to? They're like, no, like not a lot of people can do that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just doing it. I'm not thinking like, am I the right aesthetic? Am I the right color sex? Do I look like a rapper? I don't care if I look like a rapper, I'm rapping. Therefore I am a rapper and I will have an audience for that music and the audience that's not for it will be for someone else. And I hope I know them and I hope they make all the money. Like, How long have you
1: had a desire to put music out?
0: Um, Ever. Yeah. Ever, like forever. Always?
1: Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: I can remember being like 13 and writing the, my lyrics in my little notebooks and stuff. And always, always had it. I just didn't know when I would do it or how. Were you and writing little
1: Taylor Swift heartbreak songs at that point in your life? Or what were you writing?
0: It was actually about being bored. I remember like writing about how bored I was. And then I felt like my mind was going a lot faster than what I was being taught. So that I was constantly dreaming in my head to be somewhere else because I was always bored. Interesting. Mm -hmm. When you had your car accident,
1: did you suffer any
0: head trauma? I know you did.
1: Okay. Yeah. So here's something that's interesting. I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you know, Sam Kinison uh, suffered from, uh, I believe it was a car accident, uh, developed this audacious personality out of it that, that embodied his comedy. Roseanne Barr, yeah, uh, when she was a teenager, was hit by the mirror of a car. Um, yep. She spent a bunch of time in rehab. She was a straight A student and a good cookie. And then all of a sudden, she became this this boisterous, ballsy uh, female comic who was a, a pioneer at the time. Did you do you believe that your head injury contributed to any level of of your comic impulsiveness that you have hmm.
0: today? Good question. Um, so, I actually had two concussions after. So, I had that main car accident, and then I actually had another one after that in, I think, like 2014. Uh, just we happened to be rear ended, and then I got another concussion. And it was actually really bad because I had had previous concussions. So, mine was really bad that fourth time. Um, and what I noticed is I was always funny, always. When I was a kid, I was always witty. I've always been the funny one, I was always the first clown. Yep, always the funny one in the musical comedies. Uh, I was doing stand up well before I was ever in the car accident and doing it successfully, and my timing was always great. Uh, I would say, if anything, and it's funny because a doctor, uh, a head injury doctor, when my first video went viral, he's like, Nicole, whatever money you made, just save it because th- this isn't going to happen again. This was an accident. You just, you hate your head, so you're saying some stupid shit and you made people laugh. And I was like, uh, no, dude. <laughs> Like, this is what I do professionally, and this is all on purpose. And he tried to con- – I remember I was in tears. I left there in tears. I told him, fuck off. Uh, but he's like, no, like, NHL players think it'll go forever, and then they don't save their money. You're not – this is a one-hit wonder thing, Nicole. And I'm like, no. Uh, so to well, He was the- wrong.
1: He, he, he was. He may, he may have – I mean, you would know because you had the conversation, but he may have done it from an intentional place of trying to help you, right? Yeah. Like going, hey, listen – you know, bank this money because things could take a turn for the worse cuz I'm sure he had experienced that with other people that he dealt with who had head yeah. trauma.
0: Yes. Still, I thought it was an asshole thing for him to say instead of being like, that's awesome, keep going. Cuz yeah. words words matter to people, especially when you're in like a vulnerable spot like working through head injuries and getting your cognitive things back, like it was a lot already. 100%. Um but for me what I think happened is I think it releases something. I think it kind of just takes the veil down a bit and just sets you back to when you were a kid or sets you back to before you cared so much. I think that's what happens. I definitely swore a lot more after the car accidents. And I started swearing out of pain. And it was a doctor who made me do it because I wouldn't. And she's like, say fuck, Nicole. I'm like, no. And she's like, say fuck. And then I was like, fuck. She's like, did you hear yourself? That's horrible. And she made me like scream it. Eventually. And then she's like, How'd that feel? I'm like, Kind of awesome. And then, like, it just kind of went from there. And then I just kind of let it fly now. I don't, when I catch myself censoring or feeling that feeling around certain people where I have to alter what I want to say, that's my signal that I shouldn't be around those people. It's not my signal that I need to change, it's that get around people who are more chill and more comfortable How? and fun.
1: How much was that signal going off for you when you relocated to L.A.? Because Ugh. that that must just be happening yeah. all the time.
0: All day, every day. It, it, being in Nashville the last three weeks, it's so comfortable. I'm just – I'm comfortable. And I was, you know, out in the country doing fun things. And, you know, I was in Florida for a couple of days doing fun stuff. And I was just chill. And people don't understand what L.A. feels like until you leave. And then you're like, I can breathe again. Oh, look, there's normal human beings. Everyone isn't taking selfies. Everybody doesn't hate themselves. Everyone's not posturing. It's not fake AF. And it was just, it was awesome. But I can also feel Canada differently now too. Canada feels like it's trying too hard. When I go back home, it's just, it feels like it's trying too hard to not be America and in that, it's losing who it was. And it's trying too hard to be polite over things it shouldn't be polite about. Like so, lockdowns. So
1: expound on that.
0: So okay, like, lockdowns. Okay. Yeah, so like lockdowns. Okay, well, the government said that, you know, it's all good. Fuck this. I don't want to be doing this. Well, why don't you say that out loud? If you're not saying that to your politicians, they don't know how you really feel. If I'm the only person swearing at Justin Trudeau telling him, why are you letting planes land from Air Canada coming from China at the beginning of the pandemic, you dolt, shut the border for that. If you don't say it, they don't know. Oh, I don't want to, you know? And uh, I remember last year, uh, Ben Mulroney's wife was being canceled. Um, for making racist remarks and blah, blah, blah. I called bullshit on that right away. I was like, no, this other girl's trying to use her. I've seen this game a thousand times. I don't believe she said anything racist or wrong. I was the only person saying that. I'm literally the only person who said it publicly. And a year goes by. Oh, look, the text messages were given, I think to the national post who were like, oh man, she literally didn't do anything wrong. And Everybody canceled her, so I was like, "Yeah, I,
1: I wasn't really up to speed on that, but but from what I understood, they had a disagreement and and a bit of conflict. And this is the thing that that drives me crazy about the political climate we're in right now. It's like sometimes people from different backgrounds have a conflict." about something that has nothing to do with either of their racial backgrounds.
0: Stop that. People just don't
1: get along. You know, it doesn't mean it's always rooted in racism. It certainly can be, and it certainly has been, but to make that assumption all the time, isn't doing us any good.
0: Yeah. And again,
1: it doesn't get back to actually solving whatever the disagreement might be. Right. Like
0: Canadians should have said, "Uh, Hey, no, or show us the text messages or like they should have fought back on that a bit more because you just let someone get canceled for no reason. And I, part of me went, well, well
1: she did threaten the girl with legal action or, or something. After she
0: tried to cancel her. So after okay. she said that she was going to like, I'm going to release all this. I'm going to make these people hate you. I'm going to drag Megan into it. She's like, I'm going to sue you if you like try and get me fired kind of thing. So, When I saw it all come out in the wash, I was just like, Canadians got to get some balls. Why
1: didn't she just screenshot the whole conversation and release it? Like to me, that would be the thing to do.
0: That's what I think too. But in hindsight, you know, there was things that happened with me where in hindsight, I would have done it really differently. You might have a publicist being like, no, you'd be quiet. You'd be the bigger person, say nothing, which happened to me before. There was a, a producer that lied and said I was part of his movie and that I was fired from it when my dear fat people uh, thing came out. So then all these headlines are Nicole Arbor fired from feature film. I was never part of your fucking movie. What are you talking about? And the guy from telefilm was like, no, Nicole, please don't go after him because like we're funding that film and we don't want it. and, um, And I actually listened and I let them obliterate my professional reputation to be nice Canadian and not, you know, I should have swung at him as hard as I could. And I will. If anybody comes at me again, I I actually kind of dare them. But yeah, like I I just won't take the shit anymore. And I think that might have happened to her. She might have had a publicist in her ear saying like we're going to take care of this. We're going to handle it. No, you're not, cuz you've never had it happen to you, so you don't know how to do this. And yeah. Those are my how thoughts. do you
1: delineate the line between being strong and assertive mm-hmm. and chronically agitated?
0: Ooh, good one. I would say it has to matter. Like random people, like if I go on Twitter, I could see a million things to be annoyed about. People are stupid. Fake articles are written all day, every day. And then people respond to those fake articles. And it's almost like a script. Both sides in the US have a script. It's a, I can't believe they did this. They're bad people. Look how bad all these people are. That's the left. And the side's like, I can't believe they wrote this. This isn't true. They're bad people. Uh, you know, blah blah blah. It, it's a mirror almost, and this is what the reactions are to absolutely everything. And I can't get annoyed at all those little things all day. But if there's if someone comes for me, if someone comes from my friends, if someone comes for something that I hold dear to my heart, or lying is like my biggest trigger. So if I saw, like, I saw Jay Shetty years ago, and he's still doing it today. Um, but I know I got a couple good punches in. Um. Just lying to people and stealing people's content, that, and then I have those smaller creators being like, Nicole, he's stealing our stuff. Help us! I'm like, I got you guys. You know, that's when I when I step in. But yeah, Jay Shetty
1: was an was an interesting one because from the outside looking in, originally I was like, good on this guy. You know, he's perpetuating a lot of really positive uh, 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 thought processes that have a lot Hmm. of utility to help people out. I didn't realize he was pirating a lot of that shit until you did that video to expose him. And uh, he did change his ways for a little bit after that. You must have gotten some sort of reaction from him or his team or his camp.
0: Excuse me, I sure did. And I got a reaction from Facebook as well because I said, how are you flagging anybody else's content when you're promoting his and it's not his? And I said that directly to them. And then he started having to quote people underneath his videos. Um, Even his posts on Instagram now, he'll put, the quotes underneath, but he's still making tons of money off other people's stuff. He'll just say it like it's a script and then say their quote after it. So to me, he's just spiritual karaoke. That's what it is. That's the brand. Right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, it's funny that, I don't know. There's this idea that you need to be the creator of wisdom rather than just someone who's in possession of someone else's that resonates with you. It's this weird thing on the internet where people sometimes don't want to give other people credit. And it's like, Hey, it's okay. If you know, Martin Luther King jr. Or Tony Robbins or Nicole Arbor said something that resonated with you and you can still give them credit for it, but it, it might mean something to you that, that really, you know, weighs heavy on your soul in a positive way. You know, like, I don't understand this desire to go, it has to be my thought.
0: I it's have to take credit
1: for it. Mind. Right.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: It's like, it's like, uh, they want to be known as a prophet and they're obviously, you know, in his case, a false prophet. Um, yeah. that being said, I, I, I don't wish the guy any harm. Cause I think he Me is, either. uh, putting out a lot of great, um, I think he's propagating a lot of positive content Uh, If he could find a way to give the people who actually came up with those ideas, the credit, then I think he probably, you probably, the the money. money. Yeah. 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 The
0: money. I'm like, yeah, he put a little name under there, but you posting those five people's awesome work today generated you $50,000. So how much of that are they going to get? Because if he's a radio station for spirituality and he's just the DJ, he should still be paying the artists. That's how Mm. I see it. Like, that's my thought on it. I still think it's very um, unethical what he does because he's not paying the artists.
1: Interesting. I'm going to have to stew on that one for a while, but I totally see your point. I totally see your point. I get it. I mean, I think that uh, uh, even if you are sort of the broadcast signal to use your analogy as a radio station for really good yeah. ideas, yeah. Um, you, might have an obligation to the people who originally created those ideas to make sure they're compensated fairly just like a radio station has to pay uh artists who compose and perform the music that That's what I think. um yeah okay interesting it's
0: my and opinion and since you
1: it. and since you come up with everything you do originally yeah. and they're your thoughts do you have a team of writers or what's the deal there like a lot of comedians do
0: yeah. No, I don't. Everything I say comes out of my head. It just falls out. And my music, same thing. It's myself. Do you on bounce it.
1: shit off somebody? Like, do you have somebody in your camp that you're bouncing things off of going, Hey, what do you think of this? i thought about tackling this subject or taking this down. Or is it all you basically?
0: It's me. Yeah. Like even if I have camera people shooting with me and stuff and I'll bounce something off them fast, I'll be like, okay, wait, uh, I need three more, three more words to say coffee, 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 cafe, energy drink. Okay. I got it. Never mind, And then I just go. So it might be like, "Hey, you got what, one more word for this. Great. What are people offended by right now? Okay, cool. It's like that. And then I just go most of my stuff. I don't write right now. I just do it. <laughs> I say point the camera at me. Great. <laughs> You're laughing.
1: So- do you resist the, te- no, I love it. I love it. I mean, I think that it's it's great that you have that much autonomy over your process. How do yeah. you resist the temptation to attack hot button issues just because they're hot button issues, right? Like
0: yeah.
1: you did mention there are things that really resonate with you. There are things that, that sometimes uh, are at cross purposes with your value structure yeah. um, and you feel like you can go after those things. But I would imagine there's a lot of media and coverage about things that you don't really give a shit about that sometimes you feel like you need to comment on because of your stats right
0: every once in a while i don't take that bait anymore but to me that's just a different format that's like a daytime talk show like the view or something they have to take that bait every day what's the story of the day and i'm not against that format it's a it's a good format but I would do it in a different way. And I'm not really doing that format right now. So if there's a specific thing that comes out, like today it was like the BLM uh, finances that's been pissing me off since last year. So I wanted to talk about it right away. Is it worth me sitting down? What was it about that
1: that pissed you off?
0: Where's the money going? That's what I said for right away. When this whole BLM thing started, I went to the website because I was going to donate and I started clicking around on the website and there was nothing there. And there was some t-shirts for sale and I clicked on programs and there was nothing and it was, they might be coming soon. And I was, I click around and I was like, this isn't an organization. This is someone bought a .com, and they're selling some t-shirts. Why do they need my money? For what? What are you going to do with my money? Oh, Nike just gave you $5 million. What are you going to do with that? Who are you? And then I start clicking into like their ideolo- uh, ideologies and I'm like, We're going to dismantle the nuclear family. Why? What does that have to do with helping Black people? You know, I I had some pretty firm ideas, like actual ideas on what we could have been doing with the money that they came up with. And one of them was especially during COVID, if money that was raised, so over $90 million, was given to small business owners who are Black, it could have been the literal great equalizer. Because when everyone was down, if they got that little head start, Then when everything opens back up, you know what I mean. Like that to me was we just gave them okay, get on base before everybody starts again. I think I think it's and where
1: did the money go?
0: Nobody did. Where did all
1: the they don't know.
0: No, nobody can find it. And what's your theory? It's stolen. It's gone. I I think it got stolen. I think part of it was sent to political groups. Um, I've heard some of it went to Act Blue to help get Biden in. I think a lot of it was embezzled. You know, I I saw $8.5 million was spent on administration. Who? Who's your administration? Nike doesn't spend $8.5 million on administration. Administering what? You know, like, what are you talking about? And I've been part of so many big charitable initiatives that I know how they waste money and how much of it. Gets wasted. They promised, I think, over twenty million dollars in grants to people last year, and only five hundred thousand of that was ever delivered to one chapter in Denver, and that's it. So ninety million dollars—it's not invested somewhere growing that we can see it. It's there. It's not being, you know, delved out when people are suffering during COVID. So I just—it pisses me off that that's what happened. I feel like everyone was stolen from, and I feel like they used. A moment in time in history to literally steal money from people, and who knows where it's going to go? You saw that
1: happening on a microcosmic level with um, uh, Robin DiAngelo, who released the White Fragility book. What a um, loser! which, Which apparently she had ready to roll. Like she had it, she had it printed and ready to roll the next time there was some sort of major racial issue in the US which she knew would be inevitable. Mm-hmm. To me it's like uh, if that's all true.
0: Ambulance chasing.
1: I'm, I'm a bit of an <laughs> idiot, but like if that's all true, that is gross, right? Like yes. you are literally like a like a jackal, you know, awaiting this this terrible thing that happened that just, you know, broke the hearts of millions of people and obviously mm-hmm was a, was a, was just cold-blooded murder. Yep. And you use that to sell books. Yeah. Uh, Andrew White,
0: bitch. your white. Yeah. Yeah. And how so much of
1: her money went to support, um, you know, anybody. inner city charities or help build, uh, you know, community centers or something that actually might help with some of these problems in some of these troubled areas. That's it's a just-
0: question to ask Jim. That's a good question to ask did she just swoop in and she's doing all these like corporate trainings now you're white like if if what you're saying in your book and in your teachings should be taken seriously then you shouldn't even be teaching it you should be hiring someone else of color to teach these lessons like it's just such it's a level of bullshit that i can't even wade through because i'm just like you're selling snake oil you are a Uh, an ambulance chaser. You're just waiting for a disaster. And anyone who buys into that, I just think is stupid. And I wouldn't work at a corporation that would hire her. (laughs) Like you gotta be dumb to hire her. Well,
1: it's either that, or they're just, you know, there's, there's a lot of virtue signaling happening, happening in the corporate world. And, you know, you've always got to ask yourself if, if you feel like you're fighting the system, but what you're fighting for is aligned with Amazon, JP Morgan chase. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Are you really fighting the system? You know, like it's, it's a worthy conversation to have with yourself. And uh, not to say that sometimes corporations aren't well-intended or on the vanguard of positive change, like, but you, you really want to investigate what their intent might be. And
0: mm-hmm. you know, the,
1: the virtue signaling in the corporate world is real right now, for sure.
0: It's creepy and it's weird. Yeah. It, it's like, sugar water carbonated can solve in a can can solve racism and uh, just all these people that came out with commercials and initiatives and like we're doing this it's like none of you none did anything that actually helped the problems take your freaking corporate money let's go fix these communities that need it that would be doing something you retraining all your staff ain't it just stop it and they're paying hundreds of thousands to do those stupid things it's It's done, but racism
1: is racism is to some degree a systematic problem, but at the end of the day, it's a human problem. Yes. It's, it's, you know, there there has to be individual responsibility for how we treat each other, as opposed to assuming we can fix all these things top down through big daddy government. Right. Like,
0: yeah,
1: it's, it's not about what you post. It's not about what you tweet. It's how you treat people, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, Anyway, it's
0: <laughs> like you I could and imagine I, getting that script from corporate and being like, "Oh, hello there, fellow coworker of color. Um, <laughs> it's wonderful to see you today. Your hair looks now <laughs> nappy." Like uh, what? Oh my god! I couldn't imagine how awkward those things are. Yeah, so awkward. And um,
1: <laughs> unlike this conversation, but you yes. and I, you and I have. Uh, uh, I'm gonna wrap this up because you've been so generous with your time, and I appreciate you so much. But, you always um, are. Thank you. This is this is a perfect example of two people who don't see eye to eye on every single issue. Yeah. We're never going to, but we can have a conversation. We can get along, and uh, I'm always encouraging the best in you. And I think that your your ability to convey hot button issues uh, in a in a context that you know, isn't mentally digestible for everybody or emotionally digestible for everybody, but speaks to a, a certain segment of the population. And I know how many people you help. And I've you've shown me your DMs of people's lives you've changed. And and it's uh you're doing some really great work. I mean, not not everything is gonna be accepted by everybody, but overall on the macro, you're doing some great things, and I applaud you for all your courage.
0: Thank you so much. Uh you know, I think A lot of it has to do with having cool mentor type people like you to look up to who are just good human beings. And you know, we've talked about the different kinds of women that you've worked with that are famous and amazing over the years. And knowing that there's good dudes running shit, it it helps push me forward. So thank you.
1: Oh, that's very kind of all those women are
0: comfortable to work with you and like, yeah, it's awesome.
1: Well, I uh I appreciate that. And um, yeah, you're not going to hear any hashtag me too stories about me. So, you know,
0: (laughs) hashtag go team instead.
1: Hashtag go team. Let's go for that.
0: That's right. I love it. Thank
1: you. Thanks again for doing this and uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Nashville.
0: Thanks. Talk to you soon.
1: Okay.